This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. It's a tough time for the mountain resort industry as we try and determine the best course of action during this coronavirus pandemic. This is especially true for our teens. So SAM has launched a weekly virtual forum dubbed The Huddle, where we gather industry thought leaders and all of you to discuss the here and now and what the future might look like. On this episode, we brought together industry leaders to discuss the most important part of the business, the people. Our complex resort operations can only happen when we have healthy, skilled, and engaged people working with us. People are also one of our biggest expenses and therefore one of our most important assets. We'll talk about some people and staffing issues resorts are facing today and the solutions they're coming up with. As most called in from home, you'll hear the occasional kid or dog voicing their opinion on the subject. And we'll kick it off here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Thank you for joining us today on our fourth Monday huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, publisher of Sam Magazine, and with me today is Paul Talner from High Peaks Group. Paul is a leadership coach and is a frequent contributor to Sam Magazine. Our virtual panel today is a combination of general managers and HR directors, and I will introduce them as we go along um, and cover three different sections today. So today's topic is people, and we'll dig into some of the challenges and solutions resorts are working on in light of the upheaval that this pandemic has caused. Um, first, we're going to start with NSA President Kelly Pollack, who is here and has been for the past few weeks um, on our huddle calls, um, sharing with us all the efforts, the great work that her and her team are doing to help um, our, our industry navigate this crisis. So Kelly, can you give us a little update um, on week four here or whatever week we're, we're on? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, well, we, we are wor still working on the um, SBA loans. That's, that's the majority of it. Um, Dave Bird is doing the heavy lift lifting there. Uh, Geraldine is working on the Forest Service side, um, has had good success with Forest Service um, deferrals, the fees, and trying to work on waivers, which would be amazing. Um, but I did want to just weigh in a little bit on, on the people part, um, since that was kind of my favorite part when I was back working in a ski area. Um, NSAA, our staff, we've been working remotely for about a month now and um, definitely some advantages and disadvantages. And I really think that this huddle is successful because it lets us see and hear from, um, you know, people that we trust and who have similar problems. Uh, so you get to hear that you're not in it alone. Um, I was really happy to hear that today's topic was on people. Um, and I think it's really important right now to reach out to the folks that you work with and let them know how much you value, value them and why you value them, like be specific. Um, I, I just keep thinking about how unnatural, like yesterday at being Easter, and I just remember working at the resort so many Easter's um, and how for the first time probably ever, everybody had Easter off and I was happy for that, but it's, it feels unnatural because the ski industry, we're just, we like to like be right in the thick of it, hands on, getting things done, being involved. So I guess my advice um, on the people side is don't be afraid of challenging your staff, even though we're going through an extremely challenging time. Um, there's so many creative and willing people out there 
and they're just waiting for an invitation. And I think um, real leaders during times of um, stress and um, just hard times, the real leaders are the ones that ask for help. So uh, thanks for this huddle. Thanks, Sam. And thanks for the invite. Great. Thanks, Kelly. Paul? You're welcome. Thanks, uh, Olivia. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, I really appreciate your uh, opening words, uh, Kelly. Uh, I think a lot of the themes that you were uh, mentioning will be underlined uh, today in some of the conversations that we'll be having. So I really do appreciate that. And I think it can't be stressed enough the, um, the role of leaders uh, in, this, in this time. Uh, and we'll talk a lot about that today. So I wanted to frame our conversation a little bit with some um, just some high level uh, um, information to get your uh, thinking going and to sort of frame out a little bit of this discussion. So if you're, if you're not familiar with the term VUCA, uh, you, you are now. Uh, VUCA is a, a term that came from the military. It's an acronym that stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. Um, it was really meant to describe a battlefield and what kinds of experiences soldiers have trying to make decisions when all of this uh, is happening around them. Um, and I think that's what we're facing right now as well. Uh, we don't have a clear line of sight into the future and we are trying to make the best decisions we can with the limited information that we know. Um, and I think, uh, you know, good you know, all leaders have to make decisions based on whatever it is they know and maybe not the full information that they would want. Um, I think that's doubly true now uh, when we really are uh, all in this very similar situation where we, we, we can't really see to the end of the line uh, at all. And, uh, and we're, uh, that's why groups like this are really helpful to support each other and share ideas and to kind of march forward together. Um, so I put together uh, some what I think are half-decent recommendations. I think they're great recommendations for the short term and the long term, actually. So, it, I'm, uh, and I'll, I'll go into this a little bit more, but basically right now we're at that transition stage of, um, you know, just passing the shock stage and getting into the pain stage. So if you ever have stubbed your toe, for instance, or broken a bone, you know that there's that brief moment right when you when it happens that you don't actually feel anything and that's your body trying to tell you that you need to survive um, and just really kind of uh, get to safety as quickly as possible the pain happens later um, and i think that's where we are right now is in that point where, where the the shock is starting to fade away a little bit and the pain is starting to become a lot more evident as we as we sort of survey the landscape around us so in the uh, what I am suggesting that we focus on are organizations and, and you know, that I work with and, and uh, focus on uh, is care. And I think care um, of self-care and caring for others and things, but care is a, as a acronym that you can carry around and think about uh, for, for your work uh, as you go around thinking about your people and, and what to do. So, um, so communication uh, agility, redesign, and empathy. So communication was talked about in some of the earlier huddles, but I think, you know, can't be stressed enough that leaders who are providing clarity and real sort of plain speak to their, uh, to the people who look to them is really critical right now, not just because you want to get the word out and you have to coordinate a lot of activity, 
but be also because you have a role to play in reducing people's stress, <laughs> people who need answers right now from you. Um, they're looking to any source at all for any kind of certainty. And as leaders in, in your resort area, you have at least something to share that gives people some sense of, um, uh, of, of certainty. And I think whatever it is you can do to provide that level of communication to people, even if the answer is not great, uh, is really important to give people that, that sense of, um, uh, you know, to, to lower their stress. At least they can make decisions based on something they for sure know. Um, agility is really uh, an opportunity where, you know, we're in this stage now where we're kind of moving into a different phase of action. Uh, teams are forming and reforming very likely uh, continuously now, uh, and they have to put points on the board and, and, and score wins for you. So, um, you know, a lot of research shows that providing more flexibility and less micromanaging uh, will enable teams to execute a lot more effectively than if you're um, uh, in, in the weeds with them. Uh, I think you know, there, there's probably a tendency or, you know, maybe a preference or tendency in times of stress to really feel like you need to know every single detail. Um, I would recommend uh, letting your teams do their, their jobs as much as you can uh, while getting whatever updates you need to feel like things are moving in the direction you want them to go. Uh, third is redesign. So I think redesigning, uh, this is an opportunity to take a look at what the uh, future of staffing might look like. Uh, redesigning your recruitment selection processes now to attract people who are newly available to the, to the industry, uh, maybe highly qualified and reasonably priced at this stage. Uh, they're, so I think thinking a little bit ahead of how you might bring those folks on board and into the into the industry would be a, a wise uh, investment of time, and then last is empathy, and by that I mean you know self self empathy as well as uh, uh, empathy for others. So taking time to listen um, to others, which I'm sure a lot of you are doing, right? You know, a lot of can have an effect on you, right? So compassion fatigue is real, and I think if you are uh, expending a lot of energy caring for others, you should you know, self-monitor to make sure you're not overdoing it and, and putting yourself in a position where you can't um, care for others as well. So let me pause there uh, and check in with Olivia to see how we're doing. We can come, come back to some of these topics a little bit later, uh, but I wanted to um, see where we are. Maybe we can start on the, the first segment. Olivia, what do you think? Thanks, Paul. That's a great idea. Um, we'll get to um, some questions for our virtual uh, panelists. Um, so first up, we have our um, first segment um, that Paul kind of teed us up with. Um, and we have uh, Amy Aran, GM at Boreal. We have Dennis Eshbaugh, President and GM of Holiday Valley. John Rice and Sierra Tahoe. So um, three operators, um, different kinds of resorts, um, have a bunch of questions. So. Um, Let's, Dennis, let's start with you. What, what are your main priorities right now? And, and um, it's, it's a loaded question, but yeah, your main priorities to do with people and, and what is the current game plan and how are you addressing them? Well, at Holiday Valley, I, I'm no different than anyone on this call, that we've always been people-centered, but it's mostly been on the customer. Um, always realizing, of course, the employee's part of that. And, and in where we are today, we've we've kind of uh, reassessed obviously where our energy is spent, partly because of the work environment. Um, what we 
we quickly determined we've, we've never ever furloughed an employee before uh, this event. And, and so that was a first. Um, and we made the furloughed unemployed employee about 110 uh, men and women that, that no longer work here. And many of them for the first time in their life didn't have a job. Um, uh, many for the first time in their life went on unemployment. Um, that was a difficult thing for us uh, as well as them, and we've, we've probably focused mostly on them, even though they're the most attached. Next, the 53 people that are still retained, and of those, 25 or 6 of them are, are department managers. Um, and then uh, next, the senior team after that, which there are, are 8 of us. Um, it starts with communication. We, um, we have done a few different things. Number one, um, every department manager that has a furloughed employee uh, is charged with talking with that employee uh, once a week at minimum. Um, and again, it's to continue to have that connection. Um, I send a weekly uh, newsletter out in the mail, uh, although some are emailed or other points of contact uh, to every employee in the company um, and address the issues of where we are today. Um, and then it kind of builds from there. In, in terms of department managers, we, I have an update that goes out to the 26 people uh, on Mondays and Fridays, and we have a, a whole company uh, Zoom call on Wednesday mornings. Uh, the senior team talks together a minimum of one time uh, per day via Zoom. Um, and uh, I don't like much of it, but I think it's been relatively effective. Great. Thank you, Dennis, for sharing. John, um what about you? What are the most challenging aspects of this from a people perspective that you're finding? Well, I'm sure we're all uh, experiencing the same thing. People are concerned about, uh, will they have a job? When can they come back? We have our shelter in place order is supposed to expire at the end of April. There's concerns that that may be extended. And I think everyone sort of had May, beginning of May, as this thing's going to be over, I can come back to work. Um, we have kept a pretty tight group here. I've tried to include our directors in being able to come in each day or at least work from home and that's been working pretty well. Having them, similar to what Dennis was saying, we have a weekly Zoom call and the directors, I send out a daily email to them. I'm, uh, I sit on a fire board here in town so I have access to uh, real-time information as to what's happening with the virus and the spread and what the health community is doing both in our county and in our town, the hospitals report. So I'm able to give them facts that are more geographically centered here rather than just uh, watching the you know ABC News and reading all the scary headlines, trying to give them facts of things, what, what is working, what isn't. But when it comes to their work, their concern is, okay, well, I'll take this month off. We've done this before back in 2015 when we had the drought, there was a, um, a need to rethink our structure and rethink how we're going to get the work done and everyone take an extra time off. So we sort of have shifted into that. Um, our HR director has done a real good job of getting in touch with every single one of our hourly and salary, sal salary excuse me, um, folks on a daily basis to um, just make sure that if there's any fires anywhere, we can put those out and they're, you know, take care of those fears. We can't answer a lot of the questions. We don't know if this is going to continue, but uh, the daily communication piece that Paul was talking about 
has really been key for us. I mean, people are at the bottom of Maslow's pyramid right now of safety, security, food. Uh, Easter, we took out some food cards, uh, took some Easter eggs and die around to a couple of families that we knew were having a tough time uh, with kids at home too. The biggest thing I've learned is everyone has a different way of dealing with this. Everyone's got issues at home. They're all of a sudden their kids are home from school or they're, they may have a spouse that works in healthcare and there's concerns there. Some people are taking care of their parents at the same time. So we know one size doesn't fit all in terms of how people are dealing with this. And we're trying to be empathetic as we can uh, and be mindful about what we do communicate. But um, I know there's, uh, you know, a lot of people are relying on each other and um, socially we send out, uh, our HR team will send out uh, everybody once a week through our Facebook page to the ski school and to some of the employees messages about adaptability and things they can do. And uh, again, trying to give them real information to stay away from fear because of the uncertainty, because we just don't know what's going to happen. So uh, you know, on the communication side, that's where we focus most of our energy and it seems to be keeping people in a decent place. Uh, we just hope that this thing starts to, you know, to peak and get to the other side here quick, but we are, we're holding out hope that this will pass. And that's kind of where we put our energy so far. Thanks, John. Amy, what kind of questions are you getting from your staff? What are sort of the top three questions that you're getting from your employees right now? Uh, great question. And, you know, first off, I want to thank Paul for those models that you just put out there. I think the timing on that is, is just perfect for where we are in the discussions that we're having with our teams. And, you know, I was kind of doing a, a download this morning of, you know, we're, we're basically a month into this thing, you know, 313 is when everything just kind of went sideways and we're a month into this and just kind of evaluating um, you know, where we are, the questions that we're getting from our team are probably really similar to what everyone else is getting is, is, you know, what's going to happen with summer operations. And, you know, our summer business has a pretty significant, pretty significant period of ramp up. And, you know, typically we hit the ground running right now to get all of our outdoor venues open and to get our teams onboarded and to, um, you know, kind of move forward with our Woodward Tahoe operations. And you know, the biggest questions that we're getting is, you know, what do you know and when can I come back to work and do I have a job? And I think all of the really kind of predictable pieces of all of this. And, you know, it's really difficult. And I think everyone is really clear in understanding that, you know, we're all on new territory. We're all in this alone and there's no roadmap ahead. We don't, you know, there's so much uncertainty of, um, you know, how we're going to be able to wrap up into our operation. And we talked as a team this morning and kind of evaluated the phases that we've been going through and how we communicate where we are right now to our teams to answer that question as best as we can is, um, you know, obviously just the high communication is so, so critical, but also just helping everyone to understand that, you know, initially we, we went into this, this kind of response stage, right, where we had to quickly close everything and recalibrate our priorities, you know, ensuring people are safe and that they have the tools that they have that they need to work from home. And I think the last couple of weeks has really felt like a stabilizing phase where, 
you know, we're starting to find new rhythms and new ways to work together. And um, right now, I think in, in answer to the question that we're getting from our teams about what's next, um, I, I think ensuring them that they're a part of whether they're the seasonal employee that had an abrupt stop to their season or they're this core team that is, you know, hurry up and wait is that we're really in a rebound and recovery stage right now and looking at you know how do we focus our attention to ramp up and understand what what the new opportunities are going to be and you know i think answering the questions that we're getting with a really balanced perspective of you know we have we have new realities and meeting that with you know new understanding new opportunities and new innovation and i think as much as people are looking for when can I get back to my continuity and the familiarity and the things and the rhythms that I've always known? Um, you know, I think taking the opportunity to really have a mindset of change that isn't just COVID related and right here, right now, and when can I get back to my normal rhythm? It's, you know, we're looking at this through a mindset of change and having the smartest recovery that we possibly can have when we have the opportunity to ramp back up and really just kind of refocusing their question of when can I get back to my normal rhythm to let's create a new rhythm going through the interim, uh, you know, issues with COVID, but then also into what is next and coming out of this with, with a true mindset of, of change. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Um, we have a, a question that's come in um, from Rich McCoy at Killington. Um, Dennis, this might be one for you. He's wondering, has anyone heard of staff that have started to receive unemployment checks and or government relief checks yet? With so many furloughed, do, are you? We actually um, have had a few employees that have confirmed. Um, we, being in New York State, um, of course, very hard hit and early. Um, you know, the unemployment, I think, was pretty quickly overwhelmed. But with that said, they, they got on a schedule and... Uh, our HR staff were able to help some of the people that had difficulties, and I, my sense is that that probably over 95% of the people have gone through the process effectively. I don't know what percentage have received funds, but but I think it's significant just from what I've heard in the last three or four days. And some people have started to receive the uh, the federal $600 uh, uh, supplement, which you know for an hourly employee is a is a significant advantage. I, um, they're actually doing pretty well not working. I think the New York State max is 504 bucks. Um, so all of a sudden there's $1,104 uh, a week that they're earning to not work. Yeah. It will be, uh, it will be something, it'll be another challenge to have everybody come back to, <laughs> to work for less. <laughs> so, yeah. well, yeah. And hopefully we can make everyone understand that this money that's done as a supplement is in essence money that we're borrowing. Yeah, um, uh, that's going to be a, a tough thing to explain to to the average employee, but it but it's a fact. Yeah, yeah. You both, you and Amy, have um, summer operations. So, have either of you run through models yet? Sort of a banger open, uh, you know, a restricted open to not opening to I got to make all my money in one month when it's you know, low cases. Have you begun modeling yet? Either? Yes, but I'll but I'll let Amy go first. 
Uh, yes. Uh, so our summer operation, just for context, uh, Woodward Tahoe, we run a, a action sports youth camp uh, with some public visitation in there as well. So we have the you know increased challenge of of picturing you know two over two thousand kids that come for a week long camp overnight and all the complexities that happen even when everything is perfect and normal and there's no pandemic. Um, so we, yeah, the decision, our approach has really been modeling out as many contingencies as we possibly can from we don't open for summer operations to we open as planned and really everything in between. But one of the pivots we've really had to challenge the team to make is that, um, you know, it might be a hybrid where we're, you know, summer camp, overnight summer camp has been our model for the last eight years it may become a day model without the uh, risks and um, challenges that come with managing overnight uh, responsibility for, for children and very close proximity. And I can tell you, anyone who's run a summer camp, you probably at some point had a contagion within your camp and it's not fun. And um, this is certainly on a different level. So we have really had to look at how we can uh, recover as quickly as possible, but also with the realities that come with the really high-touch environment that we have of caring for others, pe other people's kids. A lot of them, you know, fly in internationally or um, across the U.S. And, you know, how can we possibly, uh, you know, shift our model to have to have a, a best-case scenario? So we really have looked at everything. And um, one of the things that's been really helpful for our team is as best as we can just putting decision dates out there. So if we say, you know, our, our June summer camp, we're going to have a decision date of X, um, at least gives them some scaffolding to follow in knowing I'll know something at this date. Um, and you know, we've got kind of trailing dates through through the summer with if this, then that scenarios. Have you had many cancellations? Kelly was asking if you've had many Woodward cancellations. You know, surprisingly, not yet. Um, I think people are kind of in a wait and see. We've tried to really have clear holding statements out there that, you know, stay tuned. Right now, we're, we're planning on operating as scheduled, but we'll keep you informed as things change. Um, right up until this last week, we were actually still selling uh, overnight camps. So there's you know, there's some consumer confidence and positivity. Um, this is the week we are starting to see some cancellations happen, but I am pretty surprised that it hasn't been more broad. And Dennis, you know, have you created some ad hoc new teams to give them the, the reins to try and figure out different ways you can model a new type of opening this summer for your you know, for your aerial adventures and your, you know, all those, what to do with the harnesses, how to get the training of your staff, you know, the guides, and have they kind of talked through some of that? The, the two-part answer, yes, we're looking at how to operate and what we've asked actually all the managers to do is to look at a plan A, plan B uh, for an operation and realizing that we don't definitively know what and the exact timing. Um, I'm pleased to say we haven't actually changed any of the communication as far as the structure. And, and that makes me feel good because we still have pretty much the same people working on, you know, the same aspects and parts and pieces and doing it effectively just with, you know, different techniques. Um, the, 
you know, there's certainly, you know, the golf course, um, uh, for example, uh, they're cutting grass and on a limited skeleton basis. The course is not open, won't be open. Um, sky high in the preparation and mountain coaster and all the other uh, parts and pieces and the pools. Um, you know, they are sequestered at the moment. And, and what I'm watching, of course, is, is the responsible managers looking at how they're going to be able to figure, you know, what at one time was a 45 or a 60 day prep period. Uh, turning it into 30 days or two weeks. And, and I think that'll be the greatest challenge for, for the operational side is, is, you know, how can you, because we're limited with what we call essential employees in New York, very limited in what we can do. And so how do you reorganize, restructure, so that you can still turn the lights on immediately when you're allowed to and when it's appropriate? Yeah, that's, that's a, good, a good topic all on its own. Mm -hmm. And we're going to toss this back to Paul to get us to the next segment. Yeah, I found this really interesting. To, to this, this theme of uh, agility and, and uh, you know, contingency planning is one thing, but planning for the unexpected is a whole different skill set, I think. Uh, really seeing good examples of everybody being nimble and agile in, in, in all of this work. So uh, let's turn our attention to caring for people. And, you know, this pandemic, uh, has led to a series of losses we are, we're, that we're all feeling from our sense of safety to our social connections, our, our financial security. So let's talk a little bit about the ways, um, uh, you know, the, the, the resorts and the broader industry are supporting their current and former employees and their communities and, of course, themselves. So, Olivia, uh, why don't you introduce our panel? In this segment, this we're going to um, turn to Brian Heon, who is the new GM at Sunday River. Congratulations, Brian. Um, and Don Bloir, who is the Director of HR at Taos and Mexico, among other titles, and she was also our 2019 Sammy winner. Um, so, a few questions for you guys. Um, Brian, multiple studies have shown, countless studies have shown that the stress and anxiety levels are at an all-time high. There's no playbook for our current situation, and we really not a great idea of how long this will go on for and there's all this that it's going to come back is it and all that so that's a tall order um for operations in hr to, to manage um, so what are you doing to keep uh, employees motivated engaged pro and productive really um, in their current state to kind of combat the stress and anxiety yeah i think it, it certainly is interesting and i think that um you know so far, we've talked a lot about communication, and I think that that is certainly super key um, moving forward. Um, it's always been an important part of what we do. But I think one thing that's interesting to me is is a lot of our outside ops folks and people that work in the ski industry are very driven um, people and, and are used to doing things a little bit more in reaction, right? I mean, whether it's we're reacting to the weather or um, right now it's... 45 degrees and pouring rain and our culverts clogging up. And so, I mean, I think our teams are, are, are planners. I think that we are, um, know what we need to do. Um, but I think that at a certain point in the ski industry, we need to be able to um, just sit back and react and, and, and think through. So I think this is certainly, this pandemic is on a large scale, but I think if we go back to our roots, that this is what our operations teams do really well. I think we, we uh, have the ability as, a, as an industry to kind of step back a little bit, um, assess the situation, uh, think it through, both on the operation side of it, the financial side of it, 
uh, how it's going to impact our guests um, and what that's going to look like. So I think these are things that we do almost day in and day out, or at least weekly when working at a ski resort. Um, so just going back to kind of your roots and how decisions are made at a ski area, I think is, is going to certainly help out a team. Great. Thanks, Brian. Dawn, can you share with us a little bit about um, how Taos is handling keeping morale high and, and productivity um, in our um, quarantined stay-at-home places? Sure. So we're doing a variety of things. Um, uh, one of the cool things we just started this morning was our uh, our employee kind of safety and wellness person who also serves as our assistant risk manager um, is putting together these 15 minute morning huddles for everybody who's working remotely. So we all get on a Zoom meeting um, this morning. Each day is going to have a separate theme. Uh, this morning we focused on how people are staying positive through this time. So, you know, various people talked about, oh, I started a garden and I make sure I get my daily walks in, you know, I'm spending more time with young children that people hadn't um, had time, certainly during the last season of, uh, of spending more time with their kids. Um, so it was a really cool thing. And then she led us in a stretch. Um, and it was a really cool, cause I haven't seen some of those people in, you know, a month now. And so it was a really cool thing and I would highly recommend that. Um, in addition, you know, so echoing a lot of what seems to be doing is the communication piece. So once a, once a week, we send out a newsletter of just various updates. So, um, because there's so much changing, uh, especially around the federal legislation and how it's affecting states. Um, so any update we have on where the unemployment um, system is, our unemployment system here in New Mexico got really overwhelmed. Um, so they they share information, we share that out with the staff. Um, same thing with uh, the um, uh, emergency paid sick leave and emergency paid uh, or the extension of the FMLA program, really trying to get as much information into people's hands so they have a sense of um, feeling in the know and having that kind of comfort level of what's going on. Um, unlike, uh, it sounds like New York, we haven't seen those additional $600 um, per week uh, extended to uh, the unemployment claims, um, but New Mexico has kind of a target date. So basically just sharing whatever information we have. Um, our CEO, Dave, is part of something called a, a COAD group in, in this area. And COAD stands for community, um, I forget what the O stands for, but uh, assisting in, in disaster kind of management. And that COAD group um, is comprised of uh, business, um, healthcare, nonprofit, and really looking at the needs of our community and then um, getting the word out in the community of what's needed. So that's been a pretty um, important part because then we're able to also communicate what's going on in our community. So we've had people volunteer to hand out lunches to school kids during the week. Um, and we've had uh, people um, knowing like what services may be available depending on where they are along the spectrum. Um, trying to push out educational pieces to folks who have students at home. Um, so there's just a variety of resources that we're gathering and then communicating out uh, to our teams to let them know 
sorry, my dog just jumped on the bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and of course need snuggles right now. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, um, the joys of working from home. Um, so I think those are the types of things is, is really being that resource, both on an individual level and on a community level of letting um, folks know how they can stay connected, things they can get involved in, we put forth them. Um, kind of a community cleanup where people could safely kind of clean up their neighborhoods and take pictures and um, we can share it out on social, that type of thing. But ways to connect people even during this time, it, it seems to have been kind of the most powerful um, part and what we're hearing and, and really feeling is the most important part is to stay connected to each other. So that's how we've been handling it. And how do you, you furloughed folks? What, what, what was your yeah so we closed on the 15th um, we were scheduled to close yesterday so um, we definitely furloughed all seasonal staff um, we paid them for an additional two weeks and then um, for the full-time year-round staff we paid them um, to get them through our original closing date which is the fifth and then um, last week, we've been really just taking it a week at a time. Last week we announced we were gonna pay an extra week in the pay period we are in now um, while we figured out the paycheck protection plan. Um, but so we've been able really to make sure the full-time year-round staff have been taken care of during this time um, and have been really clear about when they need to apply for unemployment. Typically this time of the year, we have a series of um, op staff who get laid off until the end of May when the snow melts. Um, so it's kind of, we try to get them really whole until that part. And, uh, and so certainly the seasonal staff um, were, were laid off um, typically. And then uh, this past week, people either needed to use their PTO or they could claim unemployment, depending on what they wanted to do. Um, and then we're just waiting to hear on our PP loan and our PPP loan, and um, hopefully we'll have good news to share with them um, this week. But we wanted to buy ourselves a little bit more time uh, for the staff. So so far, we've been able to keep people whole um, up to this point. So we're hoping for good news. Thank you for sharing, uh, Dawn. And um, Brian. What, tell me, I mean, you're now part of the Boyne Network, um, and maybe it's too soon to, to know this, but um, what do, what's your strategy to keep yourself healthy as a, you know, about to jump in and lead a, a, a large team? You know, what are the things that you do to try and make sure you have reserves every day to tackle a changing crisis? Olivia, right now I just try to get through this homeschooling thing one day at a time to keep <laughs> levels where they need to be. But um, no, I, I think, you know, as as leaders of a, a large team, a small team, whatever it is, but whenever you're a leader, you, you need to take care of uh, part of that is just taking care of yourself and, and being there for that team. I think, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to lead a team um, through change or, through new leadership, like something like myself, but I think you know, being being able to be healthy and to be positive, I think is is certainly um, number one, and then instill that in in the rest of the team across the board. Um, I think that that's super super important, um, and it's certainly for me right now. You know, individually, it's a challenge. Um, I, I start my new role in two weeks, so 
um, that in itself is, is a challenge. But um, I think that, you know, looking at, at, at um, making sure that, that the team is healthy, um, that, you know, anything that's happening on the home front, um, regardless of a pandemic, but that, you know, that comes to the workplace. So um, really understanding how um, the home life can affect coming back to work. Um, it's going to be hard for team members to come back to work if they're worried about how their kids' uh, homeschooling is going, for example, or if there is going to be food on the table or what, whatever those struggles are, or maybe that they're living with uh, an elderly parent or grandparent that um, is, is at super high risk. So do they want to come back to work? So there's a lot of different things um, that will affect people when they come back to work. So I think uh, being super understanding of that um, is certainly going to be on the forefront of, or should be on the forefront of everybody's mind. Great. Thanks, Brian. That's a nice segue, Paul, for us to head into our third and final section of going forward from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have, uh, I won't share it now, but I do have a resource for folks to uh, think about the future as well as we, as we go forward. But I think one thing we all are agreeing on in, in this conversation and, and through our experience is that the world as we knew it is gone. Um, we're faced with really an uncertain future, um, but we'll take a look at, you know, ask our, our panelists to take a look into the crystal ball a little bit and share what they think will be some of the big people-related challenges going forward as we adapt our new normal, uh, adapt to our new normal. Uh, Olivia? Thanks, Paul. Um, I, you know, I think that's where we're all at is we, we went through that phase of thinking that this might be a, a short-term pain, and now we know that it's not. It's going to be a, a long-term pain and that um, the, the change is certain and it's going to be permanent in some ways. Um, and we can think about you know, other times in history, I mean, think about going through the airport before 9-11 and we adopted and evolved and changed to all the crazy things that we have to do at the airport now that we never had to do before. And it's just normal for us now. So, um, you know, we sit around the SAM staff and try and think through what are the new normals going to be? What are the things that we're going to have to go through um, to get to our, you know, our normal, you know, routines um, and what, what habits will we have to um, adapt to enjoy the things that we enjoyed before? Um, so for this segment, um, we have Melinda Stearns, who's the HR director at Sierra Tahoe, Amanda Gallant, uh, who's the HR director at Sunday River, and John Rice um, is gonna join for this third section. Really wanna talk about, from an HR director's point of view, have you been looking at other industries? Have you been looking at what does it look like to reopen? Like getting down to specifically what that means. Um, you know, at the at the grocery stores, you know, I, I talked to someone who's a manager of a national chain in the in the north. He's a manager in the northeast, and he said, you know, they now do temperature scans for every employee that comes to work has to have a temperature scan. Today, they have announced um, that they all have to wear masks, whether they supply them or they bring their own. And they're offering them face shields. And so each week there's a new piece that they have to um, adapt to. So um, Melinda, let's start with you. How, what can you envision are some of the new HR policies that, you know, as we open back up that you see, you know, might, might be a reality for us? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're all kind of frantically trying to think forward into what, what does that look like? What is that, uh, you know, how does that present itself? And um, 
you know, a few of the things I think we will need to look at. Um, obviously, it's our, you know, from a risk management standpoint of, you know, procedurally, what do, you know, what do employees need to be wearing? The, the where are face masks going to be required thing is how long is that really going to be in place for us? Or is this just a, you know, temporary through the summer? We're in a maybe a slightly different situation than some resorts here in that we don't have very minimal summer operations, just some weddings. So we're kind of banking on the fact that we're going to have a longer period of time before we get into big operations in the you know fall and winter um, to figure this out. So we'll hopefully be learning from more of the people that are on this call. But, um, you know, looking at the, you know, what are those requirements for employees? I think from, you know, policy standpoints too, you know, we've in California, yes, we've had sick pay for several years now. However, the way that we administer that policy and the procedures around that, I think we're gonna have to look at a little di bit differently as well. Um, especially when you look at, okay, you've got, you know, sick employee coming in and you kind of, you know, you give them the option to use the sick time if they want it. Well, now we probably need to be a little more serious about that. We need to, you know, ask some further questions and there may be times where we, you know, send them home. And, you know, some employees are really good about staying home and not getting other people sick and taking their sick pay. There's also many of us stubborn ones who come to work regardless. And that's not a good thing. You know, that's not something to be proud of. Um, so what can we be doing to force people to, you know, stay home, keep your germs home and those types of things. I think that'll be a big piece. Um, and we're in California. So what will California allow us to do too? That's always a, a fun one in this state. Um, I think that, you know, that would be a, a big one on my mind. Um, let's see. You know, and then I, I, I just think, you know, what types of protections we need to have in place, not just for the guests, but for the for our employees. You know, you see some of the, talking about other industries that we're looking at. I mean, I think just the grocery store in general is such a good example when you go in there and, you know, many of the ones, not here in Tahoe yet, they're starting to get there where they're requiring people to even wear a mask to get in. You know, again, by the time we open the ski resort next winter, I'm hoping all that is behind us, but you also see at the checkout counters, they have the plexiglass screens up or, you know, what have you. So there's some, there's a further degree of separation between the employee and the guest, which is absolutely necessary right now. Will that be necessary later on? I don't know. Um, that's again, where I think this whole flexibility um, is going to need to come in place, being able to kind of make decisions quickly and try and try things and implement them. Can I just pop in with a quick question, Olivia, for Mel? Yeah. I, I'm wondering if, if you've uh, heard or thought of, uh, heard from anyone or thought of um, or anticipated questions from employees down the line about how will the resort protect us if, you know, from future kind of, you know, germs and other kind of pandemic type stuff. Are people concerned? Is there any We worry haven't about had that? the questions yet, but that's definitely on my mind that, you know, they will be asking. I think that's as we bring people back, we're going to have to have a pretty detailed plan of here's what we already have in place but then also be, you know, watching it and looking at what do we need to add to that? You know, what are their safety precautions do we need to have in place? And then obviously before, you know, next fall, I think that's a, a big piece of the onboarding with all employees of here's the new norm. Here's what we are, you know, are implementing going into this next ski season. And, um, you know, and I think one of the questions in the you know, that was emailed ahead of time as far as, you know, groups that are focusing on this, you know, 
I would anticipate us needing to have along with our risk management, you know, a, a bit of a focus group on, you know, what else can we be doing? What else is going to, you know, get the employee feedback in that, you know, to help them feel safe and secure coming and being at the resort with us and working. So, you know, we can sit back and try and figure out what that should be, but I think that input's going to be really important for us. I agree. Um, uh, Amanda, as you evaluate policies, um, well, you're going to have to probably evaluate policies around self-identification of illness or reporting of others who may be ill. Um, there's obviously ethical considerations around disclosure, but that's where we're at right now is the nervousness of employees coming back and wanting to know they have some security of not being exposed further. And so as you think through how that all plays out, I have, have you sort of dived into um, what this might be for Sunday River? We have, we've played, we've kind of um, thought about all of the different scenarios and what we need to keep our team members safe. We are, you know, in the same boat as everybody else says, trying to have as many people right now work from home as possible. Um, we're, anybody that is at the resort, we're taking extreme cautions with making sure that there are protocols for how to, how to sanitize the area that they're working at, making sure they have the right protective equipment. Um, we're, we're really taking our guidelines from the state and from um, other, other businesses, like we were talking about the grocery stores. Um, I think with all of the unknown, it's going to be really hard to, it, it's going to be fluid. We're going to continue to adjust, continue to adapt and, and kind of do what, what we need to do to make sure that everybody's safe. Um, probably the, the, one of the benefits that we have for, for us and a lot of the other resorts too is a lot of our summer business is outside. So that's something that's hopeful that, you know, we can have that social distancing and, 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 keep people um, not enclosed areas. So I think that will help. Um, a question from Rich McCoy, and this is one that we have been looking at in, um, you know, spending time looking at other industries, <coughs> excuse me, Disney, grocery stores and things like that. Um, but it's what are, um, what are the group's thoughts on people wanting to go to large events in the future, weddings, music events, et cetera? So we still have a number of weddings, um, you know, on the books and a lot of the, we're lucky in the fact that a lot of the, the business that we do have, we are, um, we're postponing out to rescheduling to later in the season. So that's been um, a positive thing for, for the resort, but we're definitely going to, we'll consider all of the different, um, you know, possible areas of, 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 uh, exposure to different, you know, are we too close to people? Do we have too many people in this room? We'll definitely be reevaluating things with a different mindset than we've ever had. Um, I don't know how much, still unknown at this point in time, how, how much that's going to change how we, we do our business, but it will be um, a factor that we've never, you know, to a different level that we've never had to consider before. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that, um, excuse me, that Disney is looking at, <clears throat> um, the touchless infrared screen technology. So there could come a time where you're, you know, we're reading articles that they would scan everybody coming in, you know, and yep. um, would that be something for large events, for concerts and things like that, that you have to show, you have to run through a scanner or, you know, there were other articles about um, 
you know, you go to a bar, you show your ID, and is there a new form of ID that shows that you have your vaccine or your whatever? You know, there's all these, you know, scenarios of what the future might be if, if, if there isn't a short-term end to this right away. So. And I think uh, earlier when we talked about how the airports have changed and now it's just kind of, you don't even realize it anymore. I think we will see more things like that happening and, and you know, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that our team members and guests are safe and, and we'll do what we need to do to make sure that, that we're taking the right precautions and, and making sure that people can still enjoy the resorts the way that they're intended, but, but with, with an extra set of, you know, precautions in there. Great. Thank you. John, um, have you given some thought to this and kind of our new normal and, and what, you know, if we have a, a you know, if we, if we get another peak as the, uh, as the weather turns cold, what we might have to put into place so that we can continue to try and operate some new measures. Have you thought through any of those? Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer. I had a, uh, adaptability is just something I talk about a lot. I, I talk about it at every orientation, and I think our employees are sick of hearing it, but adaptability, <clears throat> the, the key to survival where you have to blend mold and adapt to things that happen. If you freeze up in these situations, obviously uh, anxiety and fear takes over versus if you adapt, there's hope and you can look and, and see where you can find your place. And so I really preach that a lot with our, with our people. And as we look at this, uh, when we closed our resort back in March, the final five or six days we were open, we did everything we could to rethink, like a lot of resorts, how can we do this? We didn't have the shelter in place order at this time, but how can we social distance in the lodge? Let's take some tables and chairs out. Let's uh, you know have the attendant in the restroom sanitizing the, all the handles. And, and, and we tried about four or five different things. And when we finally decided to close, we realized that it wasn't practical. Uh, people went into the bar and they're up here skiing and they've, they're, they're just very social people and they're hanging out with each other. And we kind of stood back, our senior team looked at that and said, we're not social distancing at all. In fact, we're, people are, are having a really good time and hanging out together and leaning on each other. So this isn't going to work. So we've got to rethink this. I think we're going to go back to looking at in areas like daycare, for example, our, um, our daycare supervisor is a, she's kind of a, a germaphobe anyway, which is great. Um, but she like was sanitizing every toy every time a kid touched it. And, you know, it's just, where's the practicality of that? Is it a matter of looking at, um, you know, occupancy in the old days would be 250 people in this room. What does that look like if you're truly changing your services? How much of it could be done outside? Um, I'm looking to our directors and looking to their people that report up through them for these ideas by involving them in the ideas they feel like they're part of the solution and I've always found the best ideas come from those folks anyway so really uh, giving them a, a voice and validating some of their ideas for example for weddings for us we have a, a pretty healthy summer calendar of weddings and what's been happening is the brides have been moving not just the brides but the wedding folks have been moving things further into the fall well you know i suggested something to our marketing team go think about this what if you been on so many zoom calls like what if you did a zoom wedding or a, a facetime wedding where grandma doesn't want to travel right now anyway so what if you brought it to their living room and we could host the wedding 
with all social distancing rules and it's a virtual wedding. So you could still get married. They, people don't want to wait another year to get married. They're ready to go. <clears throat> you could save a ton of money. You could have people Venmo in, uh, you know, during the money dance or, or whatever. You could send a little kit to each person in the mail that would have a champagne glass in it and a little, uh, I, just trying to think through how do we get creative uh, and give people opportunities for the summer business as the first step. When it comes to winter, we're going to have to really sit down. I know our, our directors are already doing it, already thinking about what does this mean for, you know, loading chairs. You're, you're not forced to ride with anyone anymore. You don't have to have four to a chair. What do the lift lines look like? I mean, these are all questions that we we toyed with the final week. We're going to have to really put our minds back into thinking that way and just adapt and be prepared. We, I really believe the world's going to turn outdoor recreation as a way to heal, and we're going to be a big part of that healing, but we have to do it you know, responsibly and we have to make sure we're taking all the steps we can. When it comes to employees, some of what I found are some people are a little more taking it very seriously and others are a little less uh, serious about it. And you see it when you go on the market, you'll see some people, you know, fully masked up with their gloves and then you'll see others that are just wandering around like, like nothing's happening. And I think we've got to set some internal policies uh, working with HR Mel and I have been, you know, every day we're talking about what's going on, what's happening, but we're definitely going to have to rethink the, uh, you know, our internal policies, make sure our employees have it together and that they follow the basic guidelines that we just say, this is, this is the new normal. When it comes to our guests, we don't know where they come from. We don't know what they show up in their car. We have no idea. Um, we're going to have to also probably set some rules there and some boundaries in terms of how we do things. But Trying to keep hope and uh, positive, you know, vibes going. I'm looking at Major League Sports, what they're doing. I'm reading everything I can about how they're going to reemerge and still have. I mean, these are multi-billion-dollar uh, operations that that maybe we can get some ideas from. How you know, baseball stadiums and football stadiums. How are they going to manage this and um, take any ideas we can from that venue? So. Uh, there's a lot of unknown ahead, but again, it, adapting is going to be the key. And I think if we can have that mindset and not freeze up and put that energy that we have into thinking of new ways of doing things, I think we're going to be okay. Yep, I agree. Thanks, John. And and I couldn't agree more looking at sports. You know, there's a ton of money behind that. They have to figure it out and they will. And we can pick up a page or two of what, what they're figuring out, checking with Disney, I mean, they will open up and they will think through a lot of things that we can um, try and adapt for us for our seasons coming up. This comes from Wes Krieger. Um, when we bring employees back, will they need to sign an acknowledgement of risk serving guest? I see a potential legal action from an employee exposing them to guests. Well, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, my background is kind of in risk management. Uh, but uh, I don't know. That's a very interesting thing. I mean, there's, you know, there's HIPAA violations happening all over the place right now in, in healthcare. And, uh, but this is a national emergency. I've been working with our paramedics and our EMS folks through the fire department. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of lines have been great there. Some people are afraid to, they don't know. There was a, there was a case in uh, Palm Springs where a couple of firemen went to a, an auto accident and a extricated the man from his car, took him to the hospital, and they got a call from the hospital an hour later that he was positive for COVID. And they're like, well, 
we can't assume that every single person, they said, no, that's the new normal. You have to assume right now in the stage we're in with this pandemic that everyone might be positive. It's like, wow, not just people that are coughing into their elbows. So it, it's going to be interesting uh, from a liability point of view. I'm sure there'll be plenty of legal seminars on this one. Um, but I, I don't know the answer to that. I think I think people like in daycare, for example, that's in close quarters. A lot of kids with runny noses already, and now we're talking about they could be carrying something that you know could kill your grandmother. So um, yeah, I think we're going to definitely have to have some internal dialogue about that as an industry and figure that one out. So um, we yeah. are coming to the top of our hour here. The end, Paul. Yeah, so, uh, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. You've all been sort of uh, journeying on this Apollo 11 mission where everybody's kind of hacking together solutions to keep the oxygen flowing. So keep going, and congrats on doing that so far. Um, please join us next Monday. We'll have another huddle. But uh, in the meantime, if you didn't get your question answered or if you have other questions that have come to mind since, just shoot them to huddle at saminfo.com. And we'll be sure to collect all those and, and get some answers out to you. Uh, and I'll also be sending a resource around uh, through uh, Olivia and Sarah that has um, some uh, links. One of the links is to uh, an interview with a group of uh, chief HR officers, one of whom is the CHRO of the National Basketball Association. So uh, going back to the sports piece uh, and what they're doing. So. I uh, appreciate uh, everybody's uh, great comments and insights. Thanks, Paul. And thank you to Paul Talner for his insights uh, on this call. I appreciate it. Um, and Kelly Pollock for joining us um, from NSAA, uh, John Rice from Sierra, John and Melinda uh, from Sierra Tahoe, Amy Oran from Boreal, Dennis Eshba from Holiday Valley, uh, Don Bouloir from Taos, Brian Hian and um, Amanda Gallant from Sunday River. Appreciate you guys making the time to um, share with us a little bit of your challenges and, and some of the solutions you're working through. So thank you all very much. Uh, I know it's only an hour and we, we uh, try and do what we can to just connect everybody up and share ideas. And thank you once again for um, joining us on our Monday huddle. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode four of our special huddle mini series. If you would like to review the resources provided by Paul Tolner and High Peaks Group, go to saminfo.com slash huddle to view and download. We will be doing these calls weekly for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the industry, so if you would like to participate or if you have a question or topic you think we should cover, email huddle at saminfo.com. In the meantime, check out our coronavirus impact page on the SAM website with content to help you navigate the crisis. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.